previously on the Project Umbrella podcast. What a fucking brave card you're playing at the minute with <laughs> everything that's going on. Jesus. Rombie, did you did you uh, have any different views on that? Or? I did not even watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I dare be negative. There was science. There was science behind the classic games. Crap science, yes, but science. There was sense. Wasn't there a dinosaur tyrant in one of her books as well? Inspired by Underworld. I can't remember. Probably not the best person to ask, but there we go. So, yeah, thank you, novel guy. You are the best. You are the best person to ask. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And welcome to episode 44 of the Project Umbrella podcast, joining the ranks of Blue Umbrella and at the same time sending Mr. Spencer to Iran in a peacekeeping capacity. It went wrong. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune. Let's see who's joining us today. He's failing in his duty to protect the residents of the East Coast of America from Mr. Freeze. It's Batman. (laughs) His retractable fingernails last used in New York were a real problem for his beauty therapist. It stars Tyrant. (laughs) Hello there. And he comes from a land down under. No, not that one. The one that only contributed one member to Crowded House. It's Rombie. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up on the podcast, we're going to be looking at Resident Evil 7 Gold Edition and all the bells and whistles that came with that particular release. What everyone has been waiting for following Resident Evil 7's release back in January. But we'll start off with the news. Not a lot of news that's happened since our last podcast. I would like to point everyone in the direction of YouTube. The voice of Gaia, the Resident Evil Biohazard musical that no one asked for, is available on YouTube with English subtitles. So you can listen and watch and enjoy. From my own personal view, I've got about 45 minutes in. It is quite a hard listen. Yes, it's quite an experience seeing zombies dancing, but there we go. It's there for your <laughs> viewing pleasure. Anyone else has watched it in full yet? No. Come on, Nick. You give us a little bit more than that. What did you think? Um, um, as about yeah, about 45 minutes in, it's intriguing. It's something to do with a dead whale or a, um, a cetacean, whatever they're called, that's been dug up in Alaska. And they, they go exploring into it. And somehow the exploring team gets infected with what amounts to the T-virus. So quite how uh, the T-virus was naturally in something quite a long time ago seems odd. Anyway, that then cuts away. Then we set in a little village in Italy where the T-virus has been released somehow. I've, like I said, I haven't got to the end yet, so I don't quite know how or why um, but it's directly linked to this whale um, that was dug up and this little village is protecting themselves from uh, zombies and in, in true musical style they seem to be what's the word attracted to music so all these years when the best way of killing a zombie is to shoot them in the head or dislocate their spinal cord all those things no if you're a large group of you you could sing and that attracts them and they kind of sway in time with it that's what happens <laughs> And then in the meantime, people can escape, you see. It's very clever. That's the general premise of the voice of Gaia. 
something like that. I'm hoping it resolves itself into a coherent plot, but at the moment it does seem a bit all over the place. I just found it funny because the main characters escape the town whilst the rest of the town is singing along, distracting the zombies. They escape on a push bike. They go, yes, we'll go to the push bike and we'll go to this mythical island. A push bike is the way forwards. We've all been doing it wrong over these years. We've all been using Mazdrem X5s and Gatling guns. No, 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 no. It's push bikes and singing. That's how you defeat the undead. So there we go. I will say the actual song, the kind of main song of Voice of God is quite catchy, but there you go. That's about as exciting as it gets. We will do a podcast on that. Once we've all sat down and watched it, we can come back. Because we all enjoyed the stage. So there we go. There is a, also a video for the experience. There is. English subtitles as yet. Yes, I think he's in Russian subtitles at the moment, so that's readily available by the same uploader. He's very good at uploading all this, so we, we can thank him for it. But yes, hopefully the experience will get a translation. The YouTuber is RE Live RU. Yes, big shout, big shouts out to them. I was thinking, I mean, if you actually lived in Japan and understood Japanese, I would almost certainly have gone to see all three of these things. Mm. So despite how Voice of Guy seems to be going, I would absolutely get a right buzz out of seeing Biohazard live. So there we go. <laughs> Batman, you were mentioning off air, there's a, a Twitter leak or hint of a Resident Evil 2 remake announcement. Yeah, it's nothing much. It was just um, on the official Capcom Twitter. They released a Resident Evil image and there was uh, four blocks and three of the blocks were filled by Gold Edition Revelations and Revelation 2 for the Switch. And then there was like a curious blank space, which people are speculating for the uh, imminent reveal of Resident Evil 2 Remake. Oh, There was a fake video that went round of someone recording something. I caught a glimpse of that it at some presentation. There's like a cam footage of a video. Um, yeah, I think that was just Dark Side Chronicles assets that were used and it looked pretty shit. Well, yeah, I'm afraid uh, people who actually believed it, I thought, no, no, no. It was it is obviously uh, a fake, but obviously, you know, there's still people getting quite excited about Remake 2. What, the 20th anniversary is this month, is it, or February? It's a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah I think. Yeah. yeah, a couple of weeks. So, it could be an announcement. Watch this space. I think that is it for news. I don't think there's not been a lot, obviously, apart from the release of Gold Edition, which we'll come on to now. Mia came here with Evelyn. That's how it started. Out of the Gulf, reports of the missing ship and rescue crews combing the coast. Well, well, now, look who's decided to join us. Wake up and smell coffee zone. Oh. Oh, she's so young. What happened? Are you okay? Look at all the pretties my little girl is giving me. I'm sure there's someone who can help. This is my home. Apparently, I belong here. I'll send help. Don't bother. There won't be anyone left to help. No, baby, please. So Gold Edition's out. That came along with all downloadable contact band footage, volumes one and two, as well as End of Zoe. And you could oddly then download Not a Hero, which wasn't on the disc. I don't know if that means at some point we're going to have a Gold Edition Plus or a Platinum Edition with Not a Hero on it. I'm sure Star Tyrant, as a avid collector of having the physical format, you are slightly concerned that you don't own Not a Hero just yet. 
Yeah, it's just a bit frustrating. I think I said in the previous podcast, it's nice to have like an archive edition of your game that you can put on a shelf and know that it doesn't matter if one day like the online services go down and they haven't brought Resident Evil 7 to newer consoles, you've got a copy of Not a Hero on a disc. Yes. It's just kind of maddening that they went to the, the effort of doing the gold edition, but don't put it on the disc. It seems truly bizarre. Yeah, so the way we want to kind of look at it, Not a Hero has had a lot of anticipation, perhaps unfounded, I think, in the end. Um, there's a lot of hype being built up, so we're going to look at that. And then End of Zoe, which, if I think we're all being honest, we're looking forward more to End of Zoe than we were for Not a Hero. And whether that, upon uh, playing the game, has changed, um, I'll caveat everything by saying I've not played end of zoe but i've watched it so uh we'll, we'll bear that in mind uh, in terms of playability my comments won't be as useful as perhaps they ought to be but there we go right so we'll start with people's kind of brief impressions batman what was your general feeling of gold edition as a package and then as the um the two downloadable content well i think gold edition as a package is quite good value for money really because i think i paid 30 pounds for it and Considering how much I loved the base game, I think we got plenty of additional content with the four scenarios in band footage, Jack's 55th birthday, which I've never played because the sort of comedy games don't really appeal to me, but I know they have their audience. And uh, what was the other one? Ethan Must Die. And Not a Hero and End of Zoe. So I think Capcom have given us plenty of value for money on that score. Not a Hero, I was expecting plenty from it story-wise and I wasn't too bothered about the gameplay but it turned out to be the other way around because it didn't really add anything to the story but I actually found it quite fun to play. End of Zoe I think I was one of the first people to play it because I managed to get the game five days early so I went into it without any gameplay being revealed at all so I literally had no idea what to expect <laughs> needless to say I was oh, I was very disappointed with what we got put it that way and just going back to Not A Hero not being on the disc chronologically End of Zoe comes after Not A Hero so playing that first was a little bit jarring because you went from the end of the base game to suddenly having Umbrella Soldiers running around and this Joe Baker who's never mentioned in the main game running around punching moulded so uh, as a package I think yeah it's excellent value for money I really enjoy the game it's probably my favourite game since Resident Evil 3 but the DLC End of Zoe was my main disappointment Star Star what was your feeling of the bundle and then the two DLCs. I think as a package, it's pretty great. I didn't fall in love with some of the additional scenarios as much as some people did. But then you have Daughters, which I think is one of the best slices of storytelling in the series. And then we got Not a Hero, which I thought from the trailers looks pretty dreadful. It seems to take everything that Resident Evil 7 did well and just make it with like you know the action of 5 and 6. Playing it, absolutely love it. It's a great VR experience. It works really well. The storytelling's disappointing in it because it doesn't really go anywhere. But it was fun playing as Chris. But that really pales in comparison to the horror show. End of Zoe is one of those moments in the series where I actually can't believe it got greenlit. I wonder what goes on in those offices sometimes where someone looks at that and thinks that's a great idea. It just completely nullifies any of the danger of the molded and it now feels really jarring to go back to like playing as Ethan where they're nigh you know nigh unkillable with a knife or a pistol but old Joe it doesn't matter with old Joe and then by the time he's got his bionic glove and it's playing this weird cheesy action movie music I was like well I actually did put up a tweet and direct it at Capcom and was like what and what am I even playing I don't even recognize this um, Charging complete. <laughs> so it, I think for the most part, the entire game from start 
all the way through toward the end is pretty spectacular. I mean, all the content included, but you will seldom see a fumble as impressive as End of Zoe. Um, from the one slice of DLC I was really looking forward to because as I've said in previous podcasts Zoe for me was one of the more interesting aspects of the game and I thought we were going to be treated to a very emotional character heavy story where we were maybe seeing her end of days I think John you said it had the potential of being as dark a story as like Lisa Trevor Mm. or something and it just was so far away from that it was a shocker Mm. Rumby? Gosh, I'm struggling to think of what I could say that you guys haven't already at this stage. I personally was, you know, I think as a package, yeah, perfectly great. Um, I kind of want to say, yeah, it's disappointing that Not A Hero isn't on the disc, but it's Capcom, so I suspect that it'll just get a re-release on another platform, yeah. eventually in some sort of super gold edition down the track or a re-release on another platform. So as unfortunate as to say, I'm just used to that now. I think the DLC that I'd already... I mean, I played through all the rest of the DLC. Through I bought the season pass originally, and I enjoyed it all for various things. I, I kind of found myself addicted to the Blackjack game. It was good, you know. I didn't mind Jack's 55th birthday. Daughters was brilliant. So having that all together in one package along with the new content, minus obviously Not A Hero, was great. Pretty much the same way I thought Endozoe was going to be the thing that was going to be the standout. I expected that Not A Hero is going to be really action-based and that... Um, as though he was going to be the quieter, more thoughtful piece of DLC that kind of combined the continuation of the style found in the main game. But it was the complete opposite. It was, you know, Chris's action aside, it's still a tense game that, you know, you can play through. Playing through, especially on the hardest difficulty as well, ratcheted up that tension. Whereas I just don't find end of zoe fun i don't even find it an enjoyable in a gameplay sense and unlike not a hero i can't just enjoy it for what it is there's no fun in punching molded in the face it's clunky and yeah it's really light on content really not a fun piece of dlc probably my least favorite of all of them actually when i think about it well that's an interesting point because i think this might be a good opportunity to have a quick retrospective if you like of the dlc that came before because obviously this is what it's all building up to and of course at the end of the main game you've got the big not a hero coming soon spring 2017 that obviously never materialized until december but out of all the dlc released so far uh, stars you were quite keen on how great daughters was mm. as a kind of prequel that works in terms of the timeline, doesn't it? There was one that doesn't work. I think a couple of the Clancy time code things are... <clears throat> was it just the... T- okay. But yeah, Daughters. Daughters is the... one of the darkest ones, isn't it? I remember watching it, at least. You can barely see where you're going. And it depicts the story of when they find Evelyn. Yeah, and, and Zoe having to get out of the house. Yes. As I said, you kind of get that preliminary images of how the bakers are um in, as, as a re- relatively normal family and that's a point i'm going to certainly come back to when we get to the zoe as a piece of content it was just masterfully done we hardly ever get in the series to see events before they actually happen and see a sense of normality mm. so daughters work really well which is why it felt like end of zoe was going to be like a really nice bookend you know the, at, mm. at the end of the story you know i was hoping we were going to go back to that sort of slow dredging through the dark sort of thing mm. it's so far away from that it's, it's devastatingly bad <laughs> you've uh, certainly hit a point there's times in the series where you do get those very slight glimpses of how it was before you turned up if you like in, in your role as a character people just milling about in their normal processes you know because you're wondering there and for me there's always that sense of unease about this is too normal something's gone wrong i always enjoyed that the end sequence of resident evil 4 is brilliant and i really enjoyed that 
that added so much gravitas to the actual scenario that you've just played. The thing that helps with that is that it happens after all the things you've had to do, which then makes you think about all the actions you've had to do, which again is a nice way of doing it as well. Like, yeah. oh wow, that adds a lot more to what these poor villagers went through that I've just been slaughtering for the last <laughs> 20 hours. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you look at Daughters, you've got this scenario, and because you would have played it afterwards, you've been battling Jack and Marguerite, and these, you know, they're screaming and shouting and effing and blinding in your face and whatnot, and here they are rescuing a little girl. It's, it's harrowing, and you suddenly have that more, uh, you know, sympathetic view that kind of Chris Redfield does later in the game. It feels like a really nice continuation of the uh, weird flashbacky thing you get with Jack. Yes, yes. Ethan to save his family. That's nice. That's the only real story DLC that plays a massive role. The others just depict Clancy's tests. Yes, know. yeah. I've not gone into and the, the VHS timestamp problems as much as some people have, but I, I seem to think there is some discrepancies, isn't there, when you hadn't followed any forum thread or anything that looked into it in any kind of detail, but I think, isn't there an inconsistency when you compare it to the birthday timestamp? Yeah, the, all the timestamps are out, but realistically, the happy birthday takes place first, and then he escapes into the basement, and then Lucas catches him, and that's where you play the card game. And The only one that really doesn't work at all is the is it Nightmare, where you have five rounds of moulded in the basement, and you have to survive till dawn. Obviously, that doesn't work, because Clancy gets killed in the main game. The happy birthday tape in the main game shows him getting killed at something like half past one in the morning, so mm. he obviously doesn't survive all the way through till dawn. Uh. They could have easily fixed it by just having it be not Clancy and just another random captive. Yeah, exactly. Or changing the timestamp. Is it ready? Can we begin? I can't help it, man. We've got work to do. No, no. Ethan Winters has been secured. He's alive and well, considering. And Lucas Baker? Right now, he's our only link to the connections. He's next on my list. Inevitably, we were building up to uh, Not a Hero, which, of course, we all knew about as soon as we completed the main game. And then at that point, we only had story DLC three i think it was called and then it was announced that it was end of zoe and as we've already kind of discussed everyone was looking forward more to end of zoe uh, because of the reasons already identified less so not a hero although we identified not a hero as potentially having more story element now a key point that i'd want to discuss would be if this had been released at the time it was supposed to release would it have softened the blow with the story so keep that in your heads and what we'll do because we're always a downer on this podcast so we'll end with the disappointment of the end of zoe we'll start with the positives of not a hero so in the intermittent months from january until december 2017 there's been a whole host of 
pages and pages of forums dedicated to what the hell's going to happen in Not A Hero. Theories being flung out left, right and centre and blue umbrella, red umbrella, green umbrella, turquoise umbrella, who knows what was going on. All sorts of umbrella corporations. Sheng Ya, were they involved? HCF, uh, are we going to find out about the fungus? Are we going to find out about this? Who's Chris working for? Blah, blah, blah. It was all getting a bit silly if we're being blatantly honest with everyone. And I do wonder if perhaps everyone would have been a bit more pleased with the end story result if it had been released at the time it was intended. I think you're right, Nick, but we also have to wonder just how much of the game itself was changed. Because I think Capcom have said not a lot's changed. And the voice actor, what's his name, is it David Vaughan for Chris, said the only real thing he went in when he went to re-record was the change of the ending. But if you right. remember when the um, when the game was datamined when it first came out, I've got a list here and just let me know if you did any of these when you played Not A Hero. <laughs> Get white moulded sample. Crash the drill, crash the camera, recovery of important documents, recovery of the subject E-type, recovery of the connection member list, eavesdrop on Lucas and the connections, and arrest Lucas. So did you do any of those when you played Not a Hero, Nick? No, we didn't, in theory, do any of them. Mm. Yes. So it seems like they've changed the whole scenario for reasons I really don't know why. Maybe because the original gameplay in the scenario was not fun. It just wasn't enjoyable. Maybe, but I don't really see how that necessitates changing the story. Another area where it really sticks out is in the lab at the end. There's loads of documents on the table that are just ripe for being proper files that you can pick up and read, and obviously you just can't do that with any of them in the final game. There's only two in that area. Hmm. It was Mind thought was going to make it back in and it never did, did it? Yeah, that explains the history of the, the whole program. Oh, well, there we go. All right, I'm in the mine. Signal strong. You're coming through loud and clear, Chris. We didn't get much from the first unit before we lost contact, but apparently Lucas turned the mine into his own personal hideout. How many men did we lose? Three of our best. Their last transmission was near a lab that should be just ahead. I'm going to need you to check it out. Got it. The lab is just ahead. Any idea what Lucas is up to down here? We're still analyzing the data, but it looks like he's been running experiments with an E-type butamycete. Let's hope those men haven't become a part of those experiments. So if we look at Not A Hero generally, the storyline, well, just he follows on from Chris. He starts tracking down Lucas into the salt mines, different part of the salt mines that we didn't see with Ethan. That kind of then expands a bit and we get into um, quite a cool hospital. And yeah, it's quite a short-lived kind of scenario. Straight off the bat, and you get the files that you're carrying, which fill you in with the backstory. Yeah, and then you have the following up conversation with Chris and his assistant. Veronica. Obviously, he still does not trust the concept of Umbrella, which is I feel like maybe an also a re-recorded line, perhaps. Yes, yes, I was about to say, I was about to say, in my own personal theory, I think there was so much fan outrage that perhaps Chris Redfield was working for Umbrella, or whatever you want to call it, that they changed it to, he's not working for, but working with. And I think that's such a subtle difference. Yeah. And I, obviously I could never prove it unless someone asks a director at work, but I reckon that was what was changed. That They wanted him working for Blue Umbrella, quit the BSA and uh, working for Blue Umbrella. And well, I think that's what's significantly changed. That's what the big shock twist is at the end of the game, isn't it? It's, yeah. hi, I'm Redfield and I wear an umbrella badge now. And they kept everybody tantalisingly teased all year for him to go, well, hey, I'm still a BSA member. Yeah, yeah. I'm just here in an advisory role. It, it's almost like what they do with the X-Files at the weekend. 
But what did we find out in Not a Hero? We found out that Lucas was working, well, we knew he was already working with someone called The Connections. They've just put a name to it. Whether they've got anything to do with the family, I don't know. Well, all we really learned is that Umbrella is now a PMC. Lucas is working for The Connections, who aren't really expanded on. They're just a criminal organisation who develop biological weapons. And that Lucas was also in contact with yet another unnamed organisation who he was preparing to sell the E-Series data to. No specific mention of HCF? No, although I'll talk about it a bit later. But there's still evidence to suggest that Umbrella itself is what HCF have become. Right. I mean, the DLC, it has thrown a little bit of doubt on it, if I'm honest, but you've still got that line in the Japanese guide that says Umbrella, quote-unquote, provided technical assistance to the connections in 2000 to help develop the mould. In the vanilla game, it says HCF provided technical assistance to the connections in 2000, and obviously with Umbrella not being reformed until 2007, there's no way you know they could have done it. So that's why people still think Umbrella is in fact HCF. Almost like a shadow corporation set up. So when Wesker defective to HCF, he was actually still defecting to his own company. He just didn't realise. Well. I'll probably talk about it a bit later, but it's, okay. it's, it's a long and boring theory. <laughs> <laughs> no, your theory is never long or boring. Really. It's not mine. There's, there's loads of people who've come to the same conclusion, which I suppose adds more weight to it, really, but we'll wait and see. So, as I said, we didn't really find out too much about what was going on, but it was a hell of a fun ride, and I think that was a bit of a surprise for everyone. Yeah, I, was... I enjoyed it. One of the things I found straight away was the distinction between playing as Chris and playing as Ethan. I know you had superior weapons, but it, you could tell you were playing as like a trained soldier and the molded was so much easier to kill with Chris. Mm, I yes. think it was, it was quite clever how they did that because going back to playing the base game afterwards, I thought, right, I know, I take these molded now and I still really struggled with Ethan. That's so, good, uh, that's good. Yeah, it is, is good. It, Especially in first-person mode, which you think might be a bit more limiting as to how you can portray someone's weakness like that. Obviously, they had to add a few features, should we say, of Not a Hero to kind of compensate for Chris's superiority on the field and that included the white molded which were effectively immune to uh, normal bullets as well as uh, an attack yes Um, obviously we had different areas where you could go at some point and also piling enemies on as well and adding extra strength enemies and bottlenecking you with a bunch of enemies as well so that it becomes like more of a challenge you Mm. can prioritize them yes we had a a slight variation on the the molded and where where to go we also had a lot of code veronica-esque traps as well which certainly added a bit of variety and meant you couldn't just kind of go run down the corridor because you could be torn to smithereens by uh, you know well-placed machine guns kind of an extension of the um, Lucas's madhouse whatever, whatever it's called in the main games I really enjoyed it I thought it was a really good fun game and I, I like the return of a hub area I'm afraid I'm so old school now it's ridiculous it really helps you as you play you get to familiarize your area surroundings know what's safe know what's what I know it's very basic, it's very small, it's only, you know, it only a four-hour game or whatnot, but I like the fact that we had a hub area. It was nice. So um, if we start with the kind of mine section, if you like, is there any particular part of the mine section that you enjoyed? Perhaps the way they kind of introduced clever ways of preventing your progress with gas masks and toxicity levels. The only thing about all that is it wouldn't have been nice if they'd actually given Chris all that gear to begin with. It feels bizarre that like people lesser than his rank are going in with better filters. And but I get it, it's a gameplay thing. It's fine. They address that in Vendetta, though. Do they? 
Go on then. In the film, didn't they? Someone calls him out for going, why are you going into a biohazard oh, situation? Oh, Rebecca, yeah. 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 And you're wearing next to nothing, because I'm Chris Redfield, I'm Superman. Which is still dumb. It doesn't make any sense, especially in this situation where it's like an uncontained biohazard outbreak that's obviously got a madman in it that's trapped three of his men. You'd want to be going in with as much stuff as you possibly could. That would include, obviously, night vision or a torch. <laughs> <laughs> let alone the filter in the hardest difficulty mode you don't even have a handgun really yeah which is funny because you get to that first you start with a knife but in that first cutscene, he has his gun so all of a sudden you have a gun but then the gun disappears it's kind of <laughs> funny you don't get a gun for ages in that and then you don't get a machine gun or anything else until quite well into it yeah it's a bit weird um, <laughs> i don't enjoy most of the dlc though in going back to Nick's question, I thought it was pretty well paced. Uh, the mine section was really creepy, actually. Um, yep. I thought the white moulded had a really good appearance. When they're coming out of the walls, they look mm. really, really scary. There's just something about them which is really, really freaky. The sort of chases down the tunnels work really well, particularly in VR. It was really good. The way the heads-up display comes up on the screen in VR is really clever. You can't, it moves independently, yeah. You can't aim down the sights on the guns in VR for some reason or another. I don't know why. And the head crab things, the face huggers, are fucking awful. Oh. In, in VR. <laughs> I think they're fucking... Let's be honest, I think they're fucking awful in general, but not in, like, a, they're terrible. Like, they're just really difficult and fast yeah. and yeah. creepy as fuck, and, like, yeah, they're hard regardless. VR only makes it worse. Like, you literally dodge, trying to, like, head dodge out of the way. It's... Oh, it was... I mean, I'm arachnophobic anyway, so it, it did not help. <laughs> But, I mean, this is the thing we'll get into, I'll discuss End of Zoe, I found as an experience, it was way more atmospheric, and in many ways, way more scary, well, in every way it was way more scary than End of Zoe, there's actually, like, no tense, scary sections, like, you know, being chased down by a white moulded. No, I enjoyed the kind of claustrophobic parts of the tunnels, and um, you had to kind of remember which way you had gone, um, especially if you were having a bit of a timer with the... Um, did everyone die the first time? They, uh, I did. I always die. You know, when, when you're kind of like going down these down the halls, and then you're infected, you've got to get back. I just lost my way coming back. And uh, I was like, no, 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 no. You know, trying, trying to chase down the time, which is good fun. That was good. It was good. It, it had that sense of urgency until we got the filter on place. But I think, yeah, as you said, it's creepy, atmospheric. I like the fact that there's like dead bodies piled up, I think, on the shelves that in theory could come alive at any point. You're never quite sure. And um, was there like a, there's a prison cell or something like that, you know, right down at the beginning. And it was all quite, was like, like sore, wasn't it? The way that a lot of them were captured and, and tortured. Well, that- <laughs> That's a continuation of the traps that you see in sure. 21. Mm. So the saw thing is definitely like that's the last round of survival. Like the bets are no longer about fingers. It's more about whether or not you get the saw pointed towards you and whether or not it hits you or hits your opponents. So it's an extension of that idea. So just fill me in because I forget. We've got this whole kind of salt mine, which was there as was a natural thing. These labs, they've just been built up by Lucas over all these years. Been built by other connections. Yeah. They've been funding him to build this. And that hospital was built by them as well. Yeah. Well, the complex is. It's like, it's just a lab. It's it's not really. I mean, it's a hospital in a sense. It's just an extension of the lab, really. But yeah, he implies. I mean, one of the files blatantly tells you that there was a bunch of other people that they brought in for him and he killed them all. Because I think the white molded are like the weaponized BOWs, aren't they? Whereas the black molded are just sort of an accident. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's interesting that um, I had this conversation with someone else, but it's like the main game, the molded kind of work for Evelyn, kind of in some respects, when you think about it, like they're actually controllable and stuff. But now she's no longer there. They just basically still continue to do, mm. and there's like obviously some sort of default existence of just attack anything that moves. Yeah. Mm. Yes, that's true. The white molded were proper because yeah, you got the files, didn't you, all about them in that room mm. uh, where you pick up the uh, the handy gun that can kill them. They're, they're, they're proper bi- ramrod, yeah. <laughs> car ramrod, car ramrod. <laughs> trying to think, they're the only proper BOWs in the weaponizer. We've got Evelyn, which is the perfected one, the white molded. When an Evelyn got loose on the Baker farm, I think the whole idea was that the she was too dangerous to approach, so the connections contacted Lucas, gave him the serum, and you know, I think we all theorised correctly at the time that Lucas was feeding the Connections progress reports on how she was doing in natural family environment that she craved. And yes, yeah, over yeah. time, the Connections have built this lab in the mine. and they've been, research, yeah. Yeah, and they've got samples of the mould mold. and weaponised it, basically. And then Lucas has eventually decided to sell it to someone else. I don't know about you, Christopher, but I'm getting real tired of playing games. Three men, Lucas. Three of my men dead because of you. This ends, and it ends now. Well, I don't think so. It's about to be four dead soldiers in a minute. You're going to fail, then you are going to die. So ultimately, Lucas he gets very pissed off at Chris Redfield. He gets very angry, very angry, very angry man. And uh, you eventually confront him. And I have to say, it was a bit of a disappointing boss fight for Lucas. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. I didn't like the timed aspect of it. God knows how you're meant to do that in professional. Oh, it's easy. You mean the second half when you have to keep refilling your oxygen? There's like four or five tanks, and you save your best uh, ammunition for the end. You just That's use why. you use regular shotgun attachment to shoot them until uh, you get them down to that point and then you just start throwing the incendiary grenades and start firing with the ramrods straight into them. I think it took me four times to realise you could actually uh, refill your oxygen. It was no wonder <laughs> I was struggling. But I, I think the disappointing aspect is we didn't have a huge storyline to be discussing today. We've kind of brushed around the edges and, you know, we can sex it up as much as we like about how much, you know, how, when did the connections come involved, ever, you know, and there's some nice theories going on and a nice bit of information. But I think we were expecting a lot more, probably going back to HCF mentions of Wesker, certainly expecting Wesker to be involved um, in helping discover you know, the D series and then, you know, the E series and all that jazz. Is it a criticism that it wasn't there? Or did we, as fans and a community, just build it up so much? I think Capcom that... built it up. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think, you know, the delay did, certainly didn't help. You know, when Chris has shot the hard drives up at the end, and I would say that I thought um, the Lucas fight was like the game's tyrant battle, so I really enjoyed it in that respect. Yes. But, you know, you just get another cop-out ending, don't you, where Chris is told, oh, yeah, we don't know who the connections are. We weren't able to trace it or whatever. And it's like, oh, you know, for God's sake, guys. And the problem oh, is, Resident Evil 8 is going to come along and this won't even be addressed. Well, it's either that or they've got a plan. I don't know this is like optimism, but I'm really just thinking about this. I go back to the story rejigging for um, Umbrella Corpse. And I think about the story rejigging for this that all kind of obviously have just been one thing after another. And you kind of hope that what 
they've decided is they've realized actually we want to drive the story in this direction so we the bits that they wanted to do originally they've changed and they're refocusing on what's going to happen and the next story will set up a situation which will hopefully retroactively make these parts fit better because they made those decisions to make those changes as opposed to not knowing where they're exactly where they're going yeah as i said i like the mold that there's a lot more potential with where they go with that as a kind of base virus or whatever for the series then i think plagas i think I think they kind of destroyed Plagueis a bit, and then they tried to combine it with viruses to make the C-virus, and whether the series will ever recover from the C-virus, I don't know. But there we go. So I think everyone was a bit disappointed with the kind of storyline for Not A Hero, because we didn't really have much to really talk about. But as we've kind of discussing, the gameplay was fun, mm. and I think we're all pleasantly surprised at how atmospheric and you know and how resident evilly it was really yeah and that's that's the trick i think going forward because people still clearly still want to play as leon and chris and whatnot because there's still not a lot of love for ethan sadly but people want to play as these kind of classic characters but they're so experienced now and we saw how experienced they are in vendetta it just became a joke that's another disappointing part of the story because there's absolutely no reason whatsoever why this guy at the end does have to be chris yeah you know? for yeah. the exact same reason the corporation doesn't have to be umbrella it's just capcom they're just desperate for that sense of familiarity of you know fan service there's just no need for it to be chris there's no need for them to bring umbrella back no and as i've often often said they should have just carried on with tricell i I don't understand why because you have that kind of hint and a tint in degeneration and then you've got it starts off quite nicely in five and you've got the clear information that they're funding the bsaa and the gpc whatnot but at the same time they're making all these bad weapons and stuff why not have tricell by now they would be on par with umbrella in terms of evil because that's the problem with having different writers every time and not having a clear plan of where they're going Mm. you know because it's the writer of revelations 2 he was like right i'm not really interested in tricell so we'll just get rid of them and then the next writer comes along and thinks well i could quite like to use tricell but now i can't so i'm gonna have to bring in yet another organization Mm. and that's part of the issue that we've talked about before with just you know a number of ongoing one show villains that you know because yeah. you have to have a big baddie in charge of such organization or such connection or involved with whatever's going so i mean and now you know when you want to say it but lucas has turned into one of those as well like he existed for the game length of resident evil 7 and with not a hero he's defeated and that's and that's it and he won't be back so yeah. we have to just hope that there's the next person up the line of these various organizations in this case the connections or whatever the connections ends up being then all it'll take is a line of dialogue in the intro for the next game to say oh a new umbrella found the base of the connections and shut them down depending on who writes it yeah chris are you okay yeah i'm fine we managed to intercept an email lucas just sent out listen to this umbrella and redfield have been taken care of dealing with them cost me some time cost them a lot more but i can still get that data to you but we're quits after that he thinks i'm dead this might be our chance. Who'd he send it to? We're still decrypting that. Just get Lucas. Keep me posted. So, what other highlights did everyone have of uh, Not a Hero? Any particular gameplay mechanics that you enjoyed? I just think I'd said in my 
Bruce was speaking earlier, the actual punch mechanic was actually mm. integrated quite well and did feel like you were playing like a throwback to five. Did quite enjoy doing like the stagger and then moving and punch. I was going to say, I was quite pleasantly surprised. I mean, I'd seen it in the, the little snippet of it in the preview video and I'm like, oh, that's just ridiculous. But then when you actually do it yourself, it's kind of satisfying. Like there's a good weight in the mechanic of making them stagger first. I enjoyed the um, kind of search element as well. Even getting to that kind of crane, you had to go find the, the crank and the, or the cog or whatever it was. That was a bit of a callback. Took me ages, ages to find the cog. I know, it's just behind that little minecart, but I just did not see it anywhere and I was going back and back and forth going you know going down the lift up the lift down the lift into the thing you know and I was like what am I missing I was going absolutely berserk but there and uh, shout out to him for putting in a puzzle as well with the minecart puzzle mm. yes Yes, yeah, yeah. It's like a sliding block game. It I, was. I got it right the first time. What happens if you smash the other, other wall? There's another enemy. Is there? Yeah. Um, yes, it was nice. No, you're quite right, Sean. Good point. Uh, yeah. It was completely unnecessary, but that's com- the beauty of Resident Evil puzzles. Be completely honest. Who thought to switch off the uh, laser beams first? No, I didn't. I was going to say it felt like a bit of a cheat. Because yeah. I think ni- 95% of players would have gone straight over to the umbrella yeah. guy to see if he was all right. Yeah, I did that too. Where is this? You've got to rescue the last guy, and it's in the room with all the tripwires and laser beams. Oh, my God. How many t- Yes, I think I died. Six or ten times I died, <laughs> didn't I? Yes, you make the mistake, don't you, of go and check on it as soon as you can get there. And then that all goes Pete Tong. And I was like, I must have done something wrong, so I did it again. <laughs> I don't know. What am I doing? I don't understand. I don't understand. Uh, yeah, that was good. I enjoyed that, yeah. I had trouble on the second section in the corridors because I was convinced I had to find a key because there's that locked door outside before you go in so I must have spent about an hour going round that maze looking for a key that obviously never existed hmm. we're talking about the, the remaining clown door that's down by mm-hmm. the maze when you get the clown key thing that unlocks there's a bunch of uh, ammo and supplies in there exactly, you don't yes. get it until, uh, yeah you don't get it until a later part but yeah you would have spent go oh, I've got that door to open where's the key and go looking for it I didn't bother in the end I just was like okay I'm clearly not going in that door anytime until I get a key I'll come across the key did everyone die in the fire bit when you're in the kind of lab room with the, I don't know what it was when you finally get out of the, the mining bit and you're in that big circuit in a room and then it all goes Pete Tong and you got off getting the holes yeah I got through that easily I just keep looking for vents until I found the right one and then just there's about there's three, like three I think yeah and, and it never changes so once you know the vent it's the right vent so I guess uh, <laughs> the elephant in the room then did it feel like Chris to you guys no I understand the reasons why they did it, but at the same time, I think it's probably one of the worst creative things they've done in the history of the series. I, I really hate it. I didn't mind the voice actor, and I understand the yeah. reason why they did it, but at the same time, I just think people are just too invested in this character, and what they did was just going too far. I didn't mind the voice actor, and I think the tone is right for the characterization, mm-hmm. but he yeah. definitely doesn't look like him. But then I wasn't ever that precious, because I've kept trying to say to people that, and people point this out anyway, is that the characters have never stayed that consistent like they have especially like Jill has just changed looks so many times yeah, yeah and people have to be honest like that's just the way it is it's different ones they've modeled it on different designs she stayed fundamentally the same and I guess that's what it comes down to is that Chris is still fundamentally I mean I saw people and uh, Newsbot was on them as well was, was talking about the fact that oh he's not bulky and like he was and it's just like yeah but that doesn't mean he can't be like still ripped under that clothing like nobody knows what he looks like underneath 
he could be back in CrossFit kind of. That's why he's able to punch the crap out of stuff still. Like it doesn't make any difference that he's not as bulky as he originally was. You can still be exceptionally strong and not be a giant bulk. Mm. So, you know, that doesn't bother me either. But I think Chris himself is quite unique in that we had a period where he had a consistent voice actor in Roger Craig Smith and he was in quite mm-hmm. a lot of successive titles with five six and revelations and everybody you know really got used to his look and how he sounded and you know to completely change it and change his voice actor and change him to suddenly working from umbrella I think one of the massively jarring things is as well is that at the beginning of the year you got Resident Evil 7 where you're introduced to this new chap who he calls himself Chris and obviously there is no great twist there, it is Chris. And then at the end of the year you've got Not a Hero, which has that look that main you know, maintains the look that they gave him in seven. Mm. But in the middle of all this you've had Vendetta. Vendetta, mm. yeah. With weird looking Chris that looks kinda of more like the old one. <laughs> but still slightly weird. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. But at least it's I mean at least that Chris is recognisable. And the voice actor's the same, so it's the same. is it the voice actor from Umbrella Chronicles? Yeah. Vendetta, yeah. yeah. Kevin somebody or other. Dorm, no. I think so you've um, got you've got a recognisable voice in there as well. So, so you've got you've just, just got a real inconsistency there. I just think it's just unfortunate planning that you know the CG movie takes so long and they had it planned you know three yeah. probably three years ago and it's just take, took that long to come out. Kind of it's just done those unfortunate things. I you know yeah, but I do agree it is slightly off putting. Gonna wonder whether um, someone's gonna take the PC version of Not a Hero and actually like mod the oh. old looking Chris in there and I bet it wouldn't stand out too much you know so their reasoning of it you know it didn't look realistic enough the only problem with that is that I think most of the cutscenes are pre-rendered not real time so the only time it's going to it's only going to matter is in the non-pre-rendered stuff which is first person so you're just going to see different arms and that's it (laughs) so it won't really make any difference yeah you see what you're saying there was a graphical update for gold edition that tweaked the ending it changed the lighting and stuff, so if you watch it now, I think there's a comparison video on YouTube, and it does look mm. a tiny bit different. <laughs> yeah, there is. Mm. It is reminiscent look- of when we first saw Jill, wasn't it? Resident Evil 5. It's Jill, though it's... Well, no one, I don't think anyone really put forward the idea that it was Jill. Most people thought it was Sherry of some sort, so... That was mm. There is a trick, though. I know they explain it away in the game as a result of what's happened to her, but it is it was a, che- <laughs> a cheap trailer trick. Yes. Sometimes that's what you want for a cheap trailer trick. You want people talking about, ooh, who's this mysterious yeah, condom? Yeah. You know, like, it's not a, an unjustifiable one. He had some nice dialogue in it, though. The lines where he was talking about Umbrella wanting to recruit Lucas was quite good. Mm. And, you know, they always re-emphasise the point that they want Lucas alive. And I like to think Chris just blew his head off at the end because he doesn't want Umbrella to have Lucas alive. Oh, the, the untrusting nature of this company mm. that he's working with. I do find it a weird jarring moment. I think you guys will agree that we haven't really touched on it in that, but in the blast boss battle, where uh, just beforehand, the cutscene beforehand, all of a sudden fades to black and then Lucas is on the ceiling. And, yeah. And you're just like, what, what the hell? What, what happened? That yeah. movie where it's the cut. original ending of arresting him changed with the, mm. let's put a boss fight in here. Yeah. Maybe. Or the really attempt was still still arrest him but then he transforms and goes to the ceiling somehow and yeah there's a really weird and when you reload it's really weird too like if you die you end up in the hallway outside and he's already formed and you have to walk back in it's it's really weird and there's no real explanation given for why he mutates either other than he's just like his dad i guess he mutated slowly but his mutation's different again like has he been experimenting on himself has the Mm. Um, you know, have, has, has the research led him to find something that he injected himself with or to increase his ability or the thing that the um, 
what's the company? <laughs> Connections. Connections, thank you. The Connections has given him his uh, his modified it because he was no longer connected to Evelyn. Like, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of things that could be in the year there. Well, they do mention, don't they, in in the end of Zoe that that the fakers have all had fairly unique reactions. Um, with Jack having particularly regenerative uh, functions Not over the others. So I suppose that's one way of saying why it's going to be different to... Um, and obviously Marguerite has her little affiliation Bugs. with the Bucks. Yeah. yeah. So. I suppose you did shoot Lucas with a ramrod round as well, which is tailored, isn't it, to destroy the mould cells inside him. So maybe that had an effect. How the hell are you still alive? You should be dead. We got your emails. We know you're funneling info to someone. That's none of your goddamn business, Chris. A lot of people out there want to know about our little AV. A lot of people. Your friends, the connections, know about this? They don't strike me as the forgiving type. That's my business. You let me worry about that. You're about to have your hands full. What I liked, actually, I, th- I, I like the fact that obviously you're chasing Lucas throughout, and then just as you get to the end, there is that kind of build up. And, you know, he, he's kind of like rummaging around in a in a lab unaware that you're still there and i, I just thought it's quite I, I think it worked quite well him just kind of acting relatively normal and you finally caught up with him and he's like shit what that kind of thing and you kind of sensed his panic about what was going on i liked it i thought that worked quite well he was a bit jarring how uh, if you read the files how he was suddenly promoted to chief researcher <laughs> yes <laughs> for some reason yeah. give the unhinged guy yeah. Oh, hang on, wait, this is the standard emo, isn't it? Well, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Chris, we finished analyzing the data we intercepted from Lucas. It's like we thought. The son of a bitch has been sending status reports on Evie to the connections. Find him and bring him in. We can't let this happen again. Are you sure you just don't want to recruit him? <sighs> Chris, we've been over this. Maybe the BSAA is convinced. If they weren't, I wouldn't be here. But working with Umbrella is going to take some getting used to on my part. I know it must be difficult, and to tell the truth, a lot of our members have been with us since even before we reincorporated as a PMC. About all that's left now is the name. Let's just focus on the mission, and maybe we can continue this conversation when you get back. Okay? Sure. Whatever. It's unfortunate that we, we can't be talking too much about HCF and Wesker and God knows what, but that's kind of it in terms of the storyline with Not a Hero. We've touched on obviously how well we played, and I think generally... It was a, a pleasant experience. Every kind of like final comments, and then maybe a score out of ten just for the um, for not a hero. Batman. If I could just brief, briefly talk about Umbrella, I mean, I want to get you, your guys' opinions on what you think. Oh this yes, Umbrella yes, is. You, oh yes, your theory. Yes, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Let's go for it. It's well, it's not just my theory because plenty okay. of people have come to this conclusion. But obviously, the file in the game towards the end, one of the R and D reports says HCF provided technical assistance to what we now know are the connections. Now, in the Biohazard 7 guidebook, there's a character correlation chart, and you have Chris under Umbrella, and Chris is connected to, no pun intended, by the way, connected to the connections, and the phrase used is literally technical assistance. So Umbrella are connected to the connections by the phrase technical assistance in the book. So this is what sparked it off with people saying, well, hang on, HCF have maybe evolved into Umbrella, and this ties in with storylines in Resident Evil 4, where Wesker is wanting to resurrect umbrella yes and for me the only relevance in the date of 2007 being for when umbrella reformed is that it's a year after wesker's quote-unquote second death where he died in lost in nightmares and went underground again and left the rival company to start up with tricell so i believe 
the executives of HCF have carried on with his plan, people who were loyal to Wesker, and they've struck a deal with these former Umbrella employees who want to resurrect the company. I believe many of these former employees do have good intentions and do want to resurrect Umbrella for the reasons stated. But then again, some of them still have evil intentions, and this is where Umbrella Corps comes in. Well, um, and of course, we know HCF aren't particularly good evil. No. And I think HCF and the, the bad faction of Umbrella have formed this Umbrella Corps unit, which is where you get the, the red and white logo. Think of Umbrella Corps as the successor to the USS and the 3A7 character from Umbrella Corps being a successor to Hunk. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's lots of clues in the experiment that the red Umbrella people could be HCF as well because they know about things only HCF were involved in and stuff like that. And I'm sure it'll all come to the fore in Resident Evil 8. But I'm sure, I'm sure it won't. <laughs> well, it goes back to what Rob said, you know, and, and just how much of the story they've decided to change. Because, you know, there's nothing in the DLC that hints that Umbrella are quite evil. You know, all the operatives sound quite sincere in End of Zoe and that, so... Yeah, the only one who questions that at all is Chris, and that's just from... And it's an understandable level of distrust, um, given his his history. It's either HCF is either Umbrella, or HCF is simply nothing more than an easter egg in the main game because they wanted a company way back in 2000 that could have assisted and hcf at that time were active because of code veronica and stuff so is the general theory now that hcf aren't because they always were considered to be the kind of like paramilitary group of said rival company when i say hcf i mean the rival company i think they're just called hcf in the file because there's no real name for them if they were just called rival company in the file i don't think that would make any sense yeah but i think hcf or the rival company themselves are no more and simply they live on through this new umbrella i think it's basically a soft reboot of the whole storyline which is disappointing you know they brought umbrella back and everyone knows they're going to turn out to be evil again which just renders the whole thing pointless We already had this card played with Neo Umbrella. It undermines the whole Neo Umbrella thing. I mean, I'm not saying that plot line was any good, but the whole reason Carla Radame called them Neo Umbrella was to make everyone panic and think Umbrella were back and were going to cause chaos again when it turns out all along Umbrella came back three years prior to that. So even when... Even when Chris was running around Kijiju, you know, Umbrella had already been around for two years. But were they around publicly? Not publicly, no. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I think they were around publicly. I think they were Blue Umbrella from 2007 because there's nothing to suggest that, or nothing stated, that they had to go public at a later date. I think the Red Umbrella is the secret side of the company. This is this special forces unit that, you know, they used to do all the clandestine stuff, which is basically the successor to Hunk's unit. Yeah. But whether Resident Evil 8 sort of retrospectively says, well, the Blue Umbrella did this in this year and this in that year, I don't know. Because Chris mentions in the DLC that the BSAA are already convinced of their good intentions. Mm. But he's Mm. not, which makes sense. You could understand, like, I think thematically from a standpoint, the BSAA thinking that their good, good intentions is probably makes sense because if you look at the BSAA's track record, it's not exactly not that clean either, is it? So mm-hmm. it kind of makes it look like they've uh, decided that it's better to partner up with a company that can supply them with the right type of uh, support and weaponry and research and, and they help each other essentially, at least from the upper management level. But it's kind of interesting because, I mean, it, to me, it's implied that Chris was involved in the the setting up of the BSA, <laughs> so it's like he was. He's one of the original eleven. Mm. Exactly. So it's like, how's it got to this point where he's if someone that high up has let the organisation falter so much? 
And why wouldn't he have some sort of call on whether or not he felt like this was a trustworthy agreement or beyond his disapproval, which, you know. Well, I think part of it might be forced because obviously Umbrella have all these new weapons which were made through Wesker's research because Wesker wanted to develop countermeasures in secret so he could control the whole flow of global warfare <laughs> because he thought bioweapons would take over from conventional weapons and he thought, well, if he could neutralise both sides, you know, virus weapons in a war, then he could control that. But obviously when he died, this research was used instead to make these new weapons, the Albert Zero One and the Albert Zero Two, and these weapons were passed on to like the BSEA for testing and proved effective, and that's how they built up this sort of working partnership. Mm. I know what you say. So Wesker was doing this resurrecting umbrella, but why did he then defect to Tricep just so he could make his Ouroboros dream? Well, it was forced on him, wasn't it? Because... You know, we all know how Lost in Nightmares plays out. He never went there expecting to fake his death. He sort of had to improvise when he went out the window with Jill. And that also is after he's found out about the truth of, of Spencer as well, which goes yeah. hand in hand with Yes, him. yes, that changes everything. Yes, and he had Spencer's it. notebooks, so he finally knew where the progenitor virus was in Africa. So he thought, right, I'll use Tricell and Exceller to dig up this old lab. And in the meantime, all his former employers at the rival company believed he was dead but they've carried on his plan regardless, or so it seems anyway. Yeah, so, and, and that makes sense too, because like as I was saying with the Spencer thing, like the whole file system and five later on basically implies like Whiskers' entire intent up until that event had been with a certain goal in mind, and all of a sudden once he's realised the actual truth of it, he's changed his mind on how he perceives yeah. everything. Yeah. So yeah, that's, totally, that's that totally works really, really well. It, uh, what does Ada fit into this? Uh, unfortunate puppet, I feel. <laughs> Like, it's true. Like, a lot of what she's done up until the Resident Evil 4 events is, like, a lot of um, stuff, you know, basically just being manipulated by other people, unfortunately. Okay, so if you just say the rival company's HCF just for argument's sake as opposed to whatever, just call it HCF, we think HCF were completely dissolved or and just or rebranded themselves as Blue Umbrella. We don't think the term HCF now exists. There's no company. And they just well, became amalgamated uh, with ex-employees. Uh, uh, as I said before, I think I still agree that HCF is just a um, sure, 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 a, sure. a force of a company that was unnamed, and the unnamed company is just now Umbrella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we don't know what that was, and that may be the case that it had a name and is no longer exists, and HCF is just being used because it's the only thing. Is, yeah, that's they may the probably won't even retrospectively go back and tell you what it was. No, or they might, but who who knows? So, as you point out, there's probably no need anymore. The fact that it was unnamed, it doesn't matter because they became Umbrella or yeah. Blue Umbrella. Are they, they are Blue Umbrella. That is their official name. Well, the theory before the DLC came out was that it was, whilst they were in the process of reforming, it was Red Umbrella, the, the new logo with the Red Umbrella colours. And then when they went public, which people were expecting it to be like one year before the events of Resident Evil 7 started, that's when they became Blue Umbrella. Because we only get that one file, it's suggestive that they, they are Blue Umbrella from the very start. Right. But we know they've got this Red Umbrella wing. Yeah, who operate in secret. In secret, yeah. yeah. And the blue umbrella obviously is part of that goal that they talk about in the file you get, which is about you know atoning for their sins and stuff, is like by having the office opposing colours of mm. what the old logo was and all that sort of stuff. They all sit around this table going, right, how can we help the world? And then on the other side going, destroy the world. So they go, no, 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 we want to cure the world of T-Virus. No, we want to spread the virus. <laughs> they have these two random CEOs of the same company just arguing about where they're going to go from here, but then... Never mind. So, yeah, I, I suppose it is a bit of a soft reboot, isn't it? As you said. But we'll see what happens. We shall see. So, uh, yeah, go back to my point. What, in terms of not a hero, did everyone... What was your kind of score out of 10? 
Was that um, Rumby? I want to give it like a seven for gameplay and like a three for plot. <laughs> <laughs> so ten out of um, ten overall. <laughs> no, not 10 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. I think I was pleasantly surprised that it was an enjoyable gameplay experience and that it didn't play like what we expected completely and um, and that it was interesting and there was enough intrigue and tense situations. Um, but the story falters through lack of information and very cliched ending, which, I mean, obviously it seems like it's changed or perhaps somewhat changed, but yeah. It's good. I would play more of it. I, I think that's the thing that I, I'd turn around and say at the end. If they gave me another game that was just that, I'd be happy, more than happy to play that as much as I was with the main game. So, And in that respect, it's positive. Yeah, so that's, that's a ringing endorsement. Absolutely. Uh, Starstone? See, I tend to be uh, very much won over by the VR in this, and as a, as a VR experience, Not a Hero was really great. The story side to it is massively disappointing but I wasn't expecting a lot anyway so uh, yeah I give it about an 8 I was really really pleased mm. with it high score uh, Batman yeah I'd agree I really enjoyed it I think it looked really good I played the main game first and then went straight on to Not a Hero and it works really well when you do it that way as well um, but yeah same reasons I enjoyed it a lot more gameplay wise than I thought I would um, but the story was just a little bit disappointing so I would say mm. 8 out of 10 for me yeah I, I think I would agree it's quite hard to individually judge it because of as I said, the expectation. Should you expect a DLC like that to have huge amounts of story implications? Should a lot of that information that we wanted have been in the main game rather than pin all hopes on you know what is, what amounts to a four-hour you know survival mission underground with labs? You know because Resident Evil Seven was lacking so much of the kind of history and narrative as to how we got to that point. If there was more of it, perhaps the scoring would have been a bit higher, maybe, and people wouldn't have gone in thinking it's gonna. It has to tell us everything. It, um, it was such a that, shame it was delayed because it, it did kind of kill the momentum that Seven had mm-hmm. built up with like all the playable demos and everything, and then the yes. uh, hand, you know, and that mystery. There was like a really good buzz all the way midway through 2016 up to the release. And then, you know, you think you've got not a hero right around the corner and then came the delay and then came nothing like yeah. all year. And it can't, I do think oh. that Resident Evil 7 got kind of forgotten about by people, which is a shame. Well, Definitely we've seen it in the sales to... figures, haven't we? Yeah. Sales figures haven't been perhaps as good as perhaps intended. But I'd give Not A Hero a 7. As you said, Sean, if that had come out as it should, do you think there'd have been even more expectation on End of Zoe? <laughs> perhaps, but then, yeah, yeah <laughs> there, there would have been. I mean, if Not A Hero had come out sooner, we wouldn't have a year's worth of literally the fan base being torn apart by silly, is it, isn't it, Chris? Yeah. Arguments. So Capcom did damage in that respect. They some live of, and learn. Some of those discussions got really, really quite vicious. Capcom did try and say several times, it is Chris. Well, yeah, it is Chris. Yeah. Not being stupid, it is Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but then they, they must expect that when they dramatically yeah. change. You know, they didn't just, like, change his facial features a little bit, did they? They completely mm-hmm. overhauled his appearance, so you, you're going to get that. It wasn't just that. It's it's like what you were saying before. It's that compounded thing. It's like they changed his look, different actor overall, and then you've got the umbrella angle on top of it. So, of course, people immediately are like, oh, he doesn't look like Chris, and he's saying he's working for Umbrella, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see, that if doesn't he, add if, up. that's a good point. If he had just looked different, people would have been like, oh, okay. Or if he'd just been working for Umbrella but looked like the old version, people would have been like, oh, yeah, but he, there's two things. If he had looked like he did, you know, with the overhauled look and the slightly blonde hair he has now, but still had a BSAA logo on his shoulder, no one would have questioned it. 
that had just yeah. been, probably been disappointed. That would have been like, why is Chris look different again? Yeah. But they still would have accepted it was him as a character. We wouldn't have had the months of it's an imposter. It's clearly Hunk or Hunk's uh, son or. <laughs> <laughs> and vice versa as well. If they had the traditional look and was working for Umbrella as it is in the game, it's people clone. would have been like, "What?" But it's yeah, it would have been that. But it would have at least been less argument. That people would have been like, "Either it's a clone or it's not." We're and, gonna find out. Like, and because, blatantly. It's, because it's all settled now and it's actually Chris, I just want to do one final shout out. I think I've mentioned it in two podcasts this year to the guy who said this chap was gonna be an offshoot of the Redfield children. <laughs> shout out to you, whoever you are out there. You're a genius. <laughs> Hashtag not my Chris Redfield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. I had to use one of them. But there's only one left. <gasps> it's fine. It was foolish thinking I could I'm sure there's someone who can help. This is my home. Apparently, I belong. I'll send help. Don't bother. There won't be anyone left to help! So uh, that's uh, kind of not a hero kind of wrapped up. And as part of Gold Edition, of course, we got End of Zoe, which I'm not, I'm not sure everyone was really expecting that to be the last story DLC. There's an argument that her kind of story did finish quite well in the main game. But then everyone kind of got around to the idea that actually this could be a really, really good opportunity to carry on with Zoe. Everyone liked Zoe. She was quite a tragic character within the game. I was going to say, it also comes down to the fact that you've got an ambiguous part of the game where yes. it diverts into two parts. So then you've got a question which ending is accurate. So that, yes. that added fuel to it, you have to admit. And the trailers did as well. The trailers were good. The trailers just showed you that Saving Mia ending was the canon one. And then all you got was kind of creepy marsh scenes. And you, you absolutely had nothing before End of Zoe. No. And we were all chomping at the bit to see where this was going. We weren't that fussed about the storyline. People need um, to remember that Zoe's been part of the promotion for the title ever since that first demo mm. you know where, yeah. the, where the demo ends with you you know using the telephone and it's zoe's voice and you know that started off one of the sort of earliest mysteries if you like for the fans to discuss so this was like yes. a major thing when they announced the title as being end of zoe it was oh christ you know it's like as i said earlier it feels like a natural bookend to the game Mm. Yeah. But what we got was decidedly different to perhaps what we anticipated. <laughs> I was pleased to see the return of the Nintendo Power Glove from the 8-bit era. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. But, uh... yeah, honestly, raise your hands. I mean, who, who honestly... And that includes everybody out there listening. Who honestly thought it was going to be like this? No. I've privately mentioned this as well um, as a kind of over description, if you like. I'm surprised. Actually, no, I'm not surprised, actually, because it's uh, white Americans. I'm surprised there hasn't been a huge (coughs) outcry about the way Joe is depicted in the game. Cast your minds back to Resident Evil 5 and the 
clear racial undertones said sarcastically of what's happening in Resident Evil 5 excluding the fact that people were infected by parasites and whatnot. To be fair they did make some changes after the, those they did, they, they, they did they did fair point yeah, yeah. yeah ra- randomly chucking the... in tourists and stuff yep. yeah <laughs> they, yeah nice. but the way they depicted Joe I was kind of watching I thought this is redneck American backwater, you know, at its very worst. And considering the efforts Capcom went to actually not depict the bakers like this, and we've already discussed how they were in Daughters, and actually they they were a really nice, caring family on a kind of big ranch that were looking at, just looking after a little girl that had been washed up, to then suddenly have this weird uncle who's been presumably shafted from the family, living out in the wilderness in a shack, Hunting crocodiles. Eating insects. Eating... Oh, yeah, I, I don't go down to my local Walmart. No, no, no. Nature provides with grubs and centipedes. Yes, of course. Which I will combine with this fluid and make a health serum. I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I say offended. I'm not offended by it. I couldn't give a shit. But at the same time, I, I just found it a bit, like, you know, really stereotypical and goes completely against what actually they presented in the main product with the bakers. There you go, rant over. <laughs> so um, I wasn't a big fan of Joe, and as I've kind of touched upon this random family member who's never mentioned, there's no. Bear in mind the number of photographs of the family that are in the Baker household anyway, and the depictions of family, to suddenly have this uncle who just lives, what, I don't know, a couple of hundred yards away? Maybe a bit more, <laughs> but yeah, it's weird. They haven't seen him for three years. Yeah. Yeah, and he's not infected, I might add. Yeah. yeah. The first thing that struck me when I played it, when I finished it, you know, just disregarding the quality for a minute, was just it was painfully obvious that they just made this storyline up mm. after the base game. You know, it was never part of the original plan. That was plainly obvious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where, where we does, need another playable character. Yeah. Where does her freaky mutation come from? Exactly. And why is it different? That was one of the biggest disappointments for me. Was why it wasn't answered. Why Zoe had such a different reaction to the rest of the family. Mm. It seems to be implied that it's related to the death of Evelyn like almost like when she mutates at the end of the seven is what's caused that but then the connection of why it looks different and yeah it doesn't make any sense i figured that's what it is like when she finally mutates into the giant form at the end and breaks open the house and everything that's what yeah. caused it but i found the whole joe thing that, that kind of weird thing from like you know a, a typical television soap oh you know you've had this family on screen for three years and then suddenly you know someone walks down from upstairs oh it's your big brother is yeah. it oh yeah <laughs> oh yes i remember you. Let's not forget <laughs> other things as well. Like the family's supposed to have been dead for three years, and they've been capturing people to add to Evelyn's family, and not one of them thought, "Do you know what? We've got a brother that lives five <laughs> minutes away. Why don't we go and try him?" <laughs> yeah, or even the fact that Evelyn, like, obviously has this thing about a family, and it's like, "Oh, there's another family member. Why wouldn't you go and fix exactly. him as well?" Like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense in that context either. No, and he's and- um he's so puzzled about all like uh, the new facilities that have arrived in the area, and it's like. You can't build or erect a fucking wall that big when you literally live like hmm. you know, it depicts sort of like he only lives just down the river. A few few you, miles, yeah. You've not seen any helicopters airlift all this in and yeah, yeah. or heard noise, yeah. random noises of construction. And I'm, ge- I'm, I'm guessing Moldy have been roaming around for three years, no doubt. Yeah. Well, 
this was one of the things I actually liked about End of Zoe. I'm assuming that since Evelyn died and she doesn't have any control over it anymore, it's slowly started to spread into the forest. And that's, and that's why, why Umbrella a giant is, wall. Yeah, yeah. until it's undermined when the wall is suddenly opened for Jack to walk through when he's stolen Zoe. And the fact that Jack's in it is fucking nonsense. Yeah, and they put in that throwaway file to say, oh, he's got better regenerative powers than the rest of them. It's <laughs> yeah. just the whole thing's bollocks. But then, theoretically, he should just be able to come back again then, because all he did was just yes. punch his head off. Mm. Yeah. And also, I thought they could have played off the fact that it was his brother a bit more, you know, because he doesn't know it's Jack until much later on. And he's a foul-mouthed man. I wasn't pleased, you know. He's swearing too much for my liking. And... <laughs> oh, fuck no. Every five minutes, get the fuck out of my way, you fucking fucker. And it's like, oh my God, big one. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they could have actually played on the fact that it was his brother a bit better. Well, they, 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 could... they tried to put a bit of that in the end fight, don't a they? Bit. They're comparing memories and, you know, remember when I broke, you know, was what? Yeah. Moldy motherfucker. <laughs> it, it does feel like if they had actually explained that the two brothers had become quite estranged and kind of then sold the reason why there was separation, it probably would have made sense. Yeah. I think I would have been much more okay with the three-year thing. But, of course, he still lives too close for my liking. But that part could have been explained. Why couldn't they just had a simple scenario whereby Zoe managed to get a call-out to Joe and then you have it start off a bit like Ethan coming into the scenario unaware of what the hell was going on? The ideal thing would have been actually playing as Zoe in her final moments, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, a yeah. slow, painful, you know, basically you're playing as her as she's dying, but now we have yeah. to punch moulded. <laughs> with the did, power glove. With the power glove. <laughs> now you're playing with power. <laughs> what an opportunity to talk about the glove. Can anyone explain in universe why a glove would be developed as a BOW deterrent when something has been existed in this world for quite a long time called the gun? A file explains it. It's not a weapon. It's so they can lift heavy materials. And to be fair as well, like it doesn't make not sense having something as a defensive weapon on your hand, even if you're firing a gun gun like mm. if you had got attacked up close you might want to push or knock something over yeah it's not the worst idea it's just the way it's used in this game is quite ridiculous but the it's... game mechanic is ridiculous like you take the glove out of it and it's just like he's going around punching enemies constantly in the face in, in a combo fashion i mean i will say by the time you've got the power glove on at least capcom are aware of the ridiculousness of it with the like, action movie music and as you said it did undermine the effectiveness of the molded you know and, and you can do stealth kills now it was like one hit ko's yeah on the moulding I thought hold on a minute I was running for my life with these you know in classic RE style just to you know get out of the door and hope they don't follow you type situations but now I could have just snuck up behind them and been alright yeah it's the, the ridiculousness that he's not only uh, able to punch like a heavyweight but he's also so quiet and light on his feet like a cat burglar that they don't hear him it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just patently ridiculous and you picked up is, yeah that's weird too oh so I pick up a bunch of these and, and uh, I guess that's just a gameplay thing I'm not going to complain about that but the other part that I found and I said this before the recording it's just like I found the whole thing really clunky like moving around's fine and punching them in theory is fine but then if you don't use the weapons and for some maddening reason there's a achievement or trophy for finishing the game without using any weapons which is, implies punching everything punching the fast moving crawling molded is just mm. it's, it's a game of luck like they jump and then they land the wrong way round or sideways and you need to punch them in the head and you don't have the range of view in order to punch them in the head and like one or two strikes and you can be dead sometimes they're that powerful so it's not yeah. balanced very well either it's not impossible but it's a bit of a game of luck rather than skill really yeah <sighs> listen to me 
We're here to help. <laughs> no. I don't believe you, boy. Tell me, what kind of help comes in a helicopter gunship? You don't know what you're talking about. You don't get it. You think I don't know who you people are with all these monsters running around here. Tell me, where did they come from? It's not what you think. You don't understand. Well, I don't understand. You see that girl back there? Look, that there my brother's little girl. My niece, you understand? And around here, family is a righteous cause. And you ain't gonna kill my family. Now see, that ain't something I can abide. For fuck's sake, she's infected. She's dying. And we're both gonna fucking die if we don't get the fuck out of here right now. She ain't dead yet, boy. So I figure you better do something about it. For I feel you two little friends outside. Okay. There's a cure. You're lying to me. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. We were on our way to get her treatment. And you fucked that up when you jumped us. They're probably still waiting for us right now. Where? What was the VR like, Sean? Because I can imagine, you know, being in that environment in like the swamps in nighttime must be really quite creepy. But then punching well, molded in VR must be horrible. Well, here's the kicker: it's actually a great VR experience <laughs> <laughs> because the punching section is not so much. But if you play the game quite sort of steadily and stealthily, the stealth sections are absolutely amazing because they're they're almost like a little environment puzzle in themselves. Particularly like when you're in the boat. And you've got to like try and find the vents to work your way around. But actually like leaning around corners and stuff, you know, because you can physically lean with the PlayStation VR is just incredible. You know, I was actually able to, because I assume in the main standard version, the moment you sort of move the analog stick around the corner, you tend to have probably been spotted by enemies. Most of the time, yeah. Whereas in the VR, if you, as long as you're just leaning your head and your sort of physical body still around the corner, they won't spot you. So it, it That's is... That's awesome. That is really, really cool. And that was one of the sort of things I found the most frustrating, was it's like, here is like a genuinely great, tense experience, and then the moment it gets into sort of the main combat, it's just shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame that... Flailing limbs. Yeah. It's a shame that the moulded are so powerful in that sense, because they could have actually, as you said, they could have made quite a cool stealth experience. If you wanted a character to go around without any weapons, just using your hands, that's fine. But you almost wanted something as generic as a zombie to be able to take out, as opposed to moulded, which we already know how proven, how difficult they are to take out with weapons. You almost wanted something a bit tamer to justify Joe's skills and being able to take him out. They wouldn't have gone to that effort to make something new, because as I said, it kind of does diminish the effectiveness of mold and, and, and Batman you said you wanted he went back into the mansion again yeah I'll take these fuckers out and they, they can't mm. because they're still, they're still too difficult but Joe he's got you know he's alright he's sorted and I also found it a bit 
annoying obviously it's quite a linear thing anyway but you couldn't go into different areas you couldn't ru- you weren't allowed to run away you had to kill it's always oh. forwards yeah yeah that's a good that's another thing i fucking hated as well is the, the stunted progress yeah the uh, game changes from forcing stealth upon you but then it expects you to kill every enemy in the area when yeah. you get to a gate and it completely works against each other there's a section toward the end where you're in like the elevated platforms above a swamp Yep. And I managed, yeah, I managed to get through most of that undetected, apart from the odd ones that do spawn up in front of you. And then I made it to the door, and it says, uh, you know, the enemies are too close. Yeah. And I was like, but how am I supposed to know that as a player? Yeah, yeah. yeah there was a real imbalance of mm. gameplay there. Also, found it stupid that you had to punch your way through it. It's like just no need for it. I, I was worried he was getting splinters. <laughs> <laughs> The new moulder did look pretty cool, though. They did, yeah. Because there's that one with like the weird shouldery pads sort of thing. Mm. Um, they reminded me of one of the T-Abyss creatures. I can't remember which ones. They reminded me a bit of the uh, Marcus Leech boss. Mm. You know, the the more grounded one. Yeah. yeah oh, really? Game. It looked a bit like yes. that. I thought they looked a bit like that. I thought the uh, infected crocodiles were cool as well. When you well, examine infected... them up close. Well, you could see they had like tumours all over the bodies and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh that's quite cool. That was one kind of why they're oversized as well. Yeah. Like I said, this the story aspect of the mold sort of spreading into the forest and Umbrella trying to contain it all I thought was quite good, but it just never got expanded upon. Yeah, it did look really icky as well, like all the growths and stuff. Yeah, you really could see it on the trees and stuff, couldn't yeah. you? Um, and yeah. just in answer to your question, sorry, John, yeah, the um, the VR in the moonlit swamp areas was pretty incredible, actually. It, it was very mm. impressive looking, and it got a sense of atmosphere about it really well, which again made it I think more so- disappointing. I was going to say, there's the thing I definitely couldn't complain about it visually. It's a nice additional environment. It feels thematically correct. It looks good. The lighting's really nice. The water's not bad. You know, it's all good. It's just the gameplay and lack of story although i heard that you controlled joe throughout i thought actually they could have started off by doing joe getting half the serum for zoe and then that brings her around and then joe gets captured by jack or something like that and then as you see you play the rest of it as zoe gradually getting worse and worse in order to get the full serum and so you kind of got two objectives mm-hmm. trying to rescue joe but also that's, trying to get the serum again that goes back to us thinking that's kind of what we were going to get wasn't it yeah that'd be quite mm. good to have that kind of secondary character introduced but you only get to play a small part of it at the beginning and you can sense he's quite overpowered and he'll be quite useful in this situation and then you then you take over zoe and you're going oh my god i just want to get out I, of it. I would believe zoe is a stealth killer more like as well to be fair if you turned it into a bit more of a stealth game that way yeah i would have been a little bit more on board with that i wonder if there was a slight homage to chris and his boulder punching abilities with this i wonder if that's what the, what the premise was as well they thought well everyone loved chris bashing up boulders why don't we either that or they had their plan for not a hero and then we realized oh this works really well we could turn it into like a melee combat fighter where we yes. can, yeah left and right hook combos and there's no tactics in it though. There's no, you know, you just. There cut. is, there is a little bit. Like certain combos work better on certain enemies. Like the oh, regular yeah. molded. If you do the, I think it's like a left, right, left, left, left trigger. It's like called vice versa. <laughs> I can't remember. It, he does a triple punch, and it's usually the third punch knocks them either over or smashes the head open. There is a little combat bit fatality, it. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> there's a file on it, and the punching bag outside of his place. You can practice your combos. Wasn't that the other strung up um, agent? Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, because he, oh, he groans cool. when you hit him. He hits, yeah, he groans at you. Uh, I wondered where he went. <laughs> 
more unnamed people. He's just like Mike. He's, he's dead when you come back when those dead crocodiles everywhere, alligators everywhere. Yeah, where did they come from? Because when you're walking back, you hear like a big noise and you can see some trees getting knocked over in the distance. I think I'm assuming it's Jack. Yeah, and then all of a sudden there's shitloads of crocodiles everywhere. Weird. And then he smashes into the house and grabs the other agent and rips his head off and smashes mm. her wall and grabs Zoe. So I, I think it's what teams do anyway. So I think it was just him coming and to what, attack. And what's Jack's motivation with everything that's going on? He grabbed Zoe. He's trying to take her back. I just think. take her back. And then he puts Joe in a casket. Yeah, that's a bit weird, that bit. I just thought that was the ending. Room. I thought that was how it was going to end. <laughs> no. <laughs> Could have done. I, I wouldn't have been much more disappointed if that was the ending. <laughs> to be honest, I did like going back to the house though, where it was all quarantined and they had the tents set up. That, that. Really good, that, that, that yeah. was pretty yeah. cool. It was like ET, wasn't it? It was great. Likewise, daughters <laughs> does explore what it's like before. This is like what's happened long after. Because mm. mm. it's actually set weeks after Not a Hero, according to the title screen. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, that's how they were able to put up all the walls and tents and yeah. But the, the final fight, I mean, I, I was very vocal in the Resident Evil 7 podcast we did that I, I I hated the chainsaw fight in the basement, and this just felt like a continuation of that. I mean, God, the fight on the uh, on the boat that you have with him, with the oh, horrible moves and that, Christ. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was more like you're playing Tekken at that point, weren't you, table? But there we go. <laughs> go, 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 go! Don't move! Get your hands up! Get down! Weapons down! Weapons down! It's all right. You must be Zoe Baker. Who the hell's asking? Chris Redfield. Been looking all over for you. We're here to help. So it probably added more to the storyline than we actually probably anticipated it did-ish by having Chris and whatnot. We know Zoe survived. I don't think anyone thought Zoe would survive necessarily. The only thing I will say I really loved was actually the ending. I thought it was great and a nice touch that they put Ethan in there. Mm. Yeah, see, I like Ethan. People don't like Ethan. I'd like to see him come back. That's something that I saw touched on online, but I didn't actually think of. And it kind of goes back to not a hero. It's just um the fact that through this, like I don't know how much information has been found out, obviously about um, Mia and her connection to Evelyn and the company that she was working for and stuff. But I don't know if the people with Umbrella or Chris knew what her connection was at that point. But obviously, after the files in uh, Not a Hero, they blatantly do because there's a photo of her with Evelyn on the ship in that file. And again, this connection also now, they have another survivor with Zoe who can yep. give them first-hand information about what it was to live with this for, for over three years. So it's very interesting what sort of information the company has walked away with as well. Yeah, that was a nice touch, that, I think, because it doesn't matter that they've lost Lucas now because they've got Mia. Mm. And Zoe, yeah. Mm. It'd be interesting because, you know, I, I think we'll look back at, at Resident Evil 7 and it, it will feel a bit isolated in having that kind of family theme going on. I don't think we'll ever get quite a scenario quite like that again. And if we do see the E-series carry on, it is likely to get a bit more fantastical, isn't it? A bit more, you know, battlefields and lots of humans suddenly turning into God knows what at a moment's notice. In fact, I don't know, who knows? I would guess they're more likely to use the mould as a component to develop something new. That's what I reckon too. That's why I was saying before, like I really feel like as an actual enemy type, it's a one and done kind of shot deal, like as a proper enemy type, but that doesn't mean it can't turn up as a developed weapon or as a part of something else. 
and sort of blending it with a Roboros again. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, or Plagueis, you know, it's a controlled uh, mold spreading agent, you know. You can mm-hmm. control it where it wants to go because you obviously don't have to have the instability of like a Evelyn type to control it. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Any redeem? Well, we've, you know, shall I say any redeeming features of End of Zoe? Um, Sean, you, you've mentioned the VR was actually particularly good in this, and yeah. that'll be quite useful because not everyone gets to play the VR, so that's quite a, a, a good point. <laughs> Just mainly in the stealth sections, because I think you really see the potential of like the head leaning you can do around corners, and yeah, if it makes you feel very much part of the world. You know, the actual level of immersion's crazy. It feels almost strange taking the helmet off sometimes. <laughs> no reality. Where have you been? You know, it, it still just get that kick. And I got this mainly in Not a Hero that, you know, actually sort of in the Resident Evil world, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's a good habit. It's a shame that you've obviously spent a lot of money on the VR and no other game's really quite getting to the same amount of effort that Resident Evil 7's put into it. No, it's, it's definitely still the best. I mean, you've got things like Skyrim that are out, which are pretty good, and they work really well in VR, but it's not a new experience because everybody in the world has played Skyrim. Mm. 7, you can tell, was built from the ground up. The great thing about 7 is it just plays like a normal game. It doesn't have any motion control gimmicks in there. It doesn't use the aim controllers or anything. You just play it like you would normally play it. And that's the other thing I was going to say. I mean, we're coming up to a year since the game originally launched, and they're supposed to be bringing that VR experience to PC and Xbox as well. It is at some point, so other people will get to experience it, hopefully. If it's reasonably priced, I'll probably pick it up. We'll see how that goes down. So in terms of uh, End of Zoe itself, how would you grade that out of 10? And then we'll look at kind of Gold Edition generally. Uh, Batman? I don't hate it, but I was massively disappointed in it. The two fights, the one on the boat and the final boss fight, are just awful. They're just not enjoyable at all. But I can get over a lot of the disappointment because it looks really good. And, you know, I like just wandering through and looking at the environments, really. And like I've said, I like the idea of the mold spreading into the forest. But as a final portion of the game, given what we had before, it is disappointing for it to end that way. So I will give End of Zoe a six. Okay, does. Uh, a six as well, for more or less all the exact same reasons. How um, much is it to download separately? Actually, it's know. quite it's expensive. Just... I think it's about 15 quid. Or... Mm. It's quite mm. expensive. Here, yeah, here I think it's like $24, dollars 23 or something, which is quite expensive yeah, for yeah. one piece of DLC. But then you can buy the season pass for a reason, man, if you didn't have the gold edition, so we'd much more sense to option. Uh, Rob, what, what's your feelings and scores? Uh, it's kind of hard to quantify. I'm trying to think. Like, if Not a Hero was surprisingly one of the stronger DLCs for me, then End Zoe was like one of the weakest. And I've pretty much completed all of them, and I had probably the almost the least amount of fun out of all of them with it. And then you add it to the level of disappointment where I thought it was going to be better. If I try and remove that disappointment, <laughs> it's, it, it's a perfectly adequate clunky game it looks nice it's okay but it doesn't make any sense realistically when you put it in the plot um i like the ending but it could have been achieved through a different story i'm kind of like middle of the road it's like a five to me five yeah zoe zoe are you there it's you i don't believe it you actually made it we both did you didn't forget about me i told you i'd send help and i always keep my promises Thank you, Ethan. So, okay, let's bring this all together. As Resident Evil 7 as a package, if it was on one game and you're picking up the entire game now, you know, main game storyline, all the DLC, all the Clancy stuff, Not a Hero, End of Zoe, Daughters, 21, whatever. This whole Baker Ranch incident, 
where does Resident Evil 7 as an experience sit with other because um, that's how games are judged now. It's never just on the actual game that's released because so much gets released afterwards. And I, I think it's unfair to specifically judge Resident Evil 7, what we got January last year, and you compare that to, say, Resident Evil 2 because back then the game industry has changed so much in that you had the whole package when you bought the game. That doesn't happen anymore. So the whole game is now available. What's your overall score for Resident Evil 7 and where it sits in your list of Resident Evil titles. Rombi, did you want to start us off? That's a big question. I that is a big it. question. I have to really think about this. Um, I think in the realm of Resident Evil titles and where it sits, it's pretty up there. Like as an overall experience, it's definitely I definitely had way more fun with it, enjoyed it way more than six, without question. And I liked it <clears> probably <throat> no, I definitely liked it more than five as well. And I like five. I don't hate five. As an overall package, I would rate it pretty highly i would definitely say maybe like an eight maybe even a nine like i i honestly have to think about this it has its great moments it has its bad moments but any game's going to have that and even the dlc's like that there's some really great dlc and some really not so great dlc there's just some fun dlc and there's some really story impactful stuff it's a pretty good package overall i i think i'll sit with an eight but that's just a gut feeling i think the rombi yeah. recommendation seal that doesn't come out often uh batman i'd agree with pretty much all of that the reason i'm such a big fan of the series after all this time is there isn't a single game out of the 25 odd titles available that i don't like i can take something positive from all of them and this one in particular has surprised me with how much the gameplay has drawn me in because I've, especially in later years, I've only really stuck with the series because of the story and the gameplay has always been a secondary thing for me whereas with this particular title, it's been the other way around. My top three games, because I love them equally for different reasons, are probably Remake, uh, Resident Evil 3 and Resident Evil 5 and I would say this one probably eclipses Resident Evil 5 now. Um, I, I just think it's it's pretty much a perfect package. We've spoken how good Daughters is, you know, as a prelude to what comes. And then you've got things like Bedroom. You know, I like those sort of puzzles in Resident Evil. Then you've got the main game, which for me has the perfect Resident Evil template. It's not about bioterrorism. It's about something that starts off innocent, like looking for missing people in the woods or looking for your missing wife. And then gradually as you go on, it turns into something bigger with this overarching conspiracy element with these different companies and viruses and whatnot. And then Not of Hero does a reasonable job of tying into the larger series. And then you've just got that little disappointment at the end with End of Zoe. But as a package, I think it's been really, really well done. And it's definitely my favourite Resident Evil games to started doing these podcasts. So I'd have to give it a 9 out of 10. Very good. And Starzone? Yeah, it's a two thumbs up for me. I actually find it's a game. Seven as a whole, the actual main campaign, is improving with age. I think every time you play it, there's something new you appreciate. I think it's one of gaming's best returns to form if you like in terms of it being like a success story i think a lot of people had written it off and i think it silenced quite a lot of critics and i think the game is yeah it's a stunning return to form it's a wonderful experience to play it's a you know introduced me to a new way of playing games which i'll forever cherish and i absolutely love playing it end of zoe knocks it down slightly but i would still give it a very strong nine good 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 scores i would um rather sadly agree with it with everything that's been said i think resident evil 7 struck a very very difficult balance that we've often discussed on the podcast between that kind of over the shoulder look and how to effectively manage being able to easily aim for a creature's head whilst at the same time maintaining that kind of scaredness of that you know that vulnerability that you got in the earlier games which was amplified if you like through the third person pre-rendered background the main game of resident evil 7 struck that balance so well 
that you had a lot of fun playing the game. You didn't necessarily want to play the game because you were quite concerned about your ammo levels. You were quite concerned about what you're going to come across next, which is all, in my personal experience, classic Resident Evil elements of not really wanting wanting to play, but at the same time being quite hesitant to play because you know you know you don't want to die or something like that and like oh, that kind of feeling. It's the most fun I've had with a Resident Evil game since Resident Evil Four which I think is a genuinely fun, well-crafted masterpiece as a game. But it's the best Resident Evil game since Resident Evil 3. So, um, as I said, it kind of fits in that really difficult point, and I'll be intrigued to see if this starts off a new trilogy of first-person games. If you think 1, 2, and 3 are kind of pre-rendered, 4, 5, 6 is over the shoulder, and whether 7, 8, and 9 become the first person. And if they did announce Remake 2 and Resident Evil 8 as first person, I would be more than happy with it. Whereas, I think, before, when Resident Evil 7 was announced as first person, everyone was like, oh, well, this is it. This is all doom and gloom. And I'm happy to be proved wrong. And that's as good a testament as you're going to get. So I would put it easily in my top five Resident Evil games. Certainly a nine. It's not quite up there with the original Resident Evil and remake, but it's top five. So a good nine for me. I think um, with regard to the first person thing, just as a final sort of thing about that, had PT not come out, I think people would have been a lot warmer. I just mm. think people possibly saw it as a reaction to how successful PT was for people. Right. You know, and then that initial demo came out and everybody just thought, well, there's no fucking zombies in it. There's no combat. It's just PT again. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. So that kind of wraps up Gold Edition. Um, I hope you've enjoyed our dissection, if you like, the DLCs. And we had a quick retrospective view of some of the other DLC. And um, it's brought together all our views on Resident Evil 7 as an overall package. I apologise in advance if people find that we're a bit too positive about it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's forwardly apologise for people's indifference for their own personal opinions. I know, but you know, whatever. It's so hard to dislike Resident Evil 7. It's so perfectly balanced with the atmosphere. It just had that Resident Evil feeling and perhaps that paints us nostalgic goggles on. I, I don't think, know. I think if anybody looks at 7 and says it's not Resident Evil enough, needs to seriously sit down and re-watch Vendetta. Yes. And, and yeah. just ask yourself that question again. Is it Resident Evil enough? Yeah. Or even yeah. replay 6. Yeah. But the thing is as well, maybe that's the thing. There's people who are out there who really, really, really like 6 and 7 is not like 6 at all and they're really disappointed. I don't know. If that's the case, well, I can't really complain, can I? Like, yeah, seven's way different than 6. But Yes. Yeah. So that does conclude this podcast on Gold Edition. So we now turn our attention to this edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz.
Brooklyn McGregor. Mr. Spicer. Neptune Biohazard Quiz. So if everyone can clear their notepads, we have five questions this week, as always. So question number one. It's a timeline question. On what day did Vincent release the T-virus on Sheena Island? Mm. Oh, they're easy this week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'd get the month and the year. I don't think I'd have got the day. But anyway. Uh, do, number... do we have to get the specific day? We'll see how everyone gets on. Uh, uh, question number two. The Baker Ranch is on the outskirts of which town? Should be an easy one, that one. Uh, question three. What was the name of the TV show featured in Heavenly Island? Yes. <laughs> question number four. Which Ivan, in terms of the HUD colour, do you fight at management training facility? You've got two choices. Can you just name it by colour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's two Ivans separated out by colour of the HUD. Which one do you fight first at the management training facility? And question number five comes in from uh, Rodney Holbrook. What is Umbrella's motto as depicted in Biohazard the Stage? Yeah. Mm, as an updated motto, apparently. Don't recall actually seeing it, but there we go. So that finishes the questions. Join us after this when we'll run through the answers. Welcome back. Question number one was on what day did Vincent Goldman release the T-virus on Sheena Island? Uh, we'll start with Romby. Did you know this one? I know it's late November 1998. That's all I remember. I don't remember a date. It'd be 20-something. 20-something. Are you going to have a guess? 24th. Does turn. Can we just give you a month and year? Or did you need a specific day? I've got the specific day. Oh, God. Which is why Romby has it a guess. Whether he's right, I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'll go 20th then. Of... September 08, 98? 20th September, 1998. I can't remember. It's so hazy. Okay. Uh, Batman? Um, Rob's right. It is late November, 98, but I can't remember the date either. I'm going to say 22nd as a guess. And that guess has paid off. It is the 22nd of November, 1998. Points to Batman. I'm going to give half a point there. Rom because he got he was only a couple of days off so that's very good sorry Sean <laughs> I couldn't remember I guess uh, question number two the Baker Ranch is on the outskirts of which town Batman Dolby Dolby Stars Town did Dolby. you know and Rom uh, Dolby Louisiana Dolby Louisiana is correct points all round nice simple one there to get people off the mark question number three what was the name of the TV show featured in Heavenly Island Batman did you know this one I do, but I can never remember which way around it is. If it's <laughs> Idle Survival or Survival Idle. Um, 
Survival Idol. Survival Idol. Stars Tarrant? I thought it was Survival Island. Rob? I have no idea. I've never read them. I'm sure it's something Survival or Survivor or something. But I'm only going because they've said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's Idol Survive. <laughs> <laughs> Bollocks. <laughs> No, I'm not handing out any points. Unlucky, unlucky. Yes, there we go. Uh, question number four, which Ivan, in terms of HUD colour, do you fight at the management training facility? So this recalls your recollection of the beginnings saga. Stars Tarrant? I believe it's orange. Going for the orange one. Rob? Yeah, I went with orange. As I was trying to remember what the two colours were, and I remember orange being the first. So Orange being first. Batman? Yeah, orange, yeah. It is orange. I was trying to trick you out, so if you want to think it would be the blue one, but it wasn't. It was orange. Uh, Points all around. And finally, question number five from Rodney. What is Umbrella's motto as depicted in Biohazard the Stage? Rumby, start with you for this one. No clue. Cannot remember. Didn't notice. No, I didn't either, I'll be honest. So, uh, <laughs> Batman. Good you know? on them for noticing this. this is a good question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is a good question. Um, I don't know it either, so I'm just going to have to say... Preserving the health of the people. The old one. The old one. Uh, Star Stone? Building better worlds. <laughs> I have no, no idea. That, no. That's the Wayland yutani yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. It's bless the human health. There we go. There we go. That concludes the quiz. Let's see the final scores and... The strongest player, because he's holding everyone else up, is Stars Tyrant with two, followed by Romby with two and a half, and Batman winning by half a point with three out of five. So, well done, Batman. Yeah, not too bad. A good quiz, a good quiz. So, uh, that does conclude Neptune's Biohazard Quiz for this podcast. Join us uh, next time when we'll have some more questions. That's it then, guys, isn't it? Pretty much the next time we reconvene is going to be... Oh, God, it's going to be Resident Evil 2 remake, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It's like we've tried to delay it as much as we can, and it's like it's here. Well, we might try and sneak in a Voice of Gaia podcast. (sighs) It depends. If we get a full-blown trailer, that may warrant a full podcast. If we just get a teaser one, we... it with the experience as well, because the experience is proper play, isn't it? That's true, that's true. We'll see, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll all try and catch up and um, see what happens. But um, yes, so um, what a year it's been, 2017. Happy New Year to everyone. You know, it's been interesting, highs, lows, as always is. I think that does conclude the podcast. So thank you very much for listening. It's goodbye for me, Neptune. Goodbye for me, Batman. Goodbye for me, Stars Tyrant. And goodbye for me, Rumbi. <laughs> <laughs>